one at a time. Tyler? Yes. Just Sound off. One, two, three, four. I declare a thumb war. <laughs> Five, six, seven, eight. Who do we appreciate? No, try to keep your thumb straight. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that, <laughs> I think that's like a different cheer that I just went into. Not about thumb wars. Yeah. Should we listen? Yeah, sure. Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. Discussing topics, really. <laughs> I was just thinking about the times when I couldn't get through the intro. And then, and then you couldn't get through the intro. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I thought I was past it. Right, I thought I was past it, but I'm not. Go. Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast. We're here. <laughs> Sorry, okay. I can do it. I can get through this intro. Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. Discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I'm Emily Hamill, a five-star level eventer, dedicated practitioner of yoga, Pilates, and meditation, personal development enthusiast, and plant-strong athlete. And we are here recording in our new setup at Tyler's house, which I think like now this might be where we just record. Yeah, because Alec pimped us out with some bean bags yeah. and some new mic stands, and we are very comfortable. Yeah, check out. We're going to be posting a picture of our recording setup. But I think we should hit up Moon Pod for a sponsorship because this is these are Moon Pod. Oh, perfect. Bean bags. All right. Um, anyways, I'm Tyler Held, and I am a professional five star groom and a mental toughness coach, a lifelong learner in the areas of mindset, positive thinking, and motivation, and I am also a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I feel like you just added that. I did because I just got my blue belt like recently. Yeah. I mean not. I, it's been like three or four months yeah. now, but like... But this is the first time you've said it in the intro. I don't know. I'm like a blue belt now, Yeah, you know? no, you gotta own it, right? right? Like, that's part of your identity. Exactly. It's a big accomplishment. Well, anyways, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, welcome. And if you have, welcome back. As we said in our introduction, our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses, and we do this by discussing topics related to our four pillars, mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. In our main episodes that we release one a month, we talk about goal setting, books, 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 the main topic, listener questions, and actionable advice. We also released a few guest episodes, so be sure to check those out. Um, this month, our main topic is going to be competition and competitiveness because we just want to talk about, we're just both at Plantation Field uh, Horse, is it Horse Trials still? Horse International. Show? International Horse Show? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was the big FEI event we have right, right here in our neighborhood. Alec literally lives like right next door to Plantation. You can see it yeah. from from our house it's a very convenient event for um, all of us and i think it just got me thinking about like different levels of competition and goals and how people strive towards you know different 
aspects of achievement and just like interesting to see all the riders there from the young rider level up to the professional level and everyone in between just coming together and like really like putting on a show for the sport and what that can mean from like a mental game standpoint. So we'll dive more into that later. But first, we're going to get into um, some of our normal segments on the show, which, you know, I'll wait, we're going to have some exciting news at the end of this podcast. Um, But for now, um, I think we want to talk about our word of the year. And I was actually as as I was writing down thoughts for this, we're getting close to the last quarter of the year, like October, November, December, like that's the last three months. That is how that works. Yeah. Um, This year's just like flown by. It's It's crazy. It's really like, where did it go? I don't know, but we're almost in October. Anyways, um, but it's been a good year and I feel like my word, which is dynamic, has been helpful. Um, Just again, something I can come back to, but really like when I'm trying to make decisions or make plans and set goals, I kind of think about how can I be dynamic in making it happen and yeah it's it's been a helpful empowering word I should say yeah and I think that for me thinking about you know my goal and my mission to thrive this year and like you know try to in some way do less and do it better I've somewhat been successful with that but for the most part I've still kind of maintained this impossible pace Mm -hmm. and you know it's hard to look and say oh you know like I should really do something differently because I have been able to get good grades in my classes like I'm able to work out as much as I want to still like I've done a lot this year but I think that what it really comes down to is I'm not gonna thrive until I eliminate even more and Mm -hmm. so that's why I'm really looking forward to um, finishing the coursework for my doctoral program um, and kind of starting a new chapter with that um, because the coursework is complete but then in lieu of a dissertation I'll be doing a year-long mentorship and as much as it's like kind of bittersweet because I'm really hitting my stride in my position with Jenny and like, you know, we just have a really good working relationship right now. Um, I'm going to step back from my day to day work there just so that I can focus more and thrive more throughout the process of the mentorship and really get the most out of it. Because I realized that I could do it all, but just because you can do it all doesn't mean you should. Yeah. And that like, you know, pushing, pushing, pushing is, is good, but it does come to a burnout point at, at some time. So by being able to continue freelance grooming and, you know, kind of just have more time to think in between my activities, like right now I'm just go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And while I've been able to incorporate mindfulness practices into that, it's not as strong as I know that it could be. And like, you know, I just Wednesday through Sunday were just crazy days all day, every day, um, we had nine horses from our barn compete at Plantation FEI. And, you know, I have the day off today, the Monday after. And, you know, I was able to do something as simple as like put a pot of chili on the stove to like have it simmer all day. And I just felt 
like I was in I wasn't in a rush with anything. I just got to chop vegetables, like smell the garlic yeah. coming out of the pan and I'm just like I just like love this and I love having time for myself and I think by filling my life with so much over the past four, even the four year I I I had a memory pop up. I only moved to Chester County, Pennsylvania four years ago. Wow, it seems longer. It feels like I've literally fit 10 years of life into the past four years. Yeah, that's crazy because, yeah, I've been here almost six. Like in November, it'll be six. Yeah. And I feel like I've done a lot of life. A lot. And so I think like, I think for me to thrive, thrive is doing less like and and being okay with doing less too. And doing less well yeah you know better yeah better so cool well as far as goals go (laughs) what (laughs) what's so funny over there (laughs) we have like a little um you know outline we don't write everything down that we're gonna say on the podcast word for word we have a little outline and we just use a google doc that refreshes every time and for some reason the one that i picked today says like goals lol and then yeah. we just didn't put anything for yeah, like, it. I don't even remember why we would have ever and done that. Now, like, and now that we're here, it's like, lol. Yeah, like, what are our goals? Because I know for me, we were gonna we were doing this like two plus one goal segment, and I actually got my plus one checked off, and I've got one of my two checked off, and the other one. I'm working towards, but kind of putting my eye on for next year, which was to do a like recognized jujitsu competition. I mm-hmm. I just did a tournament recently, and I'll do one or two in November. But to do an IBJJF, you have to like pay for a card. So this would essentially like if I wanted to check off this goal, it, it would be essentially like paying for um, a USEA membership just to do the last show of the year. It mm-hmm. just seems like a little silly to me. Yeah. So I'm putting that off Pushing until that next, to next year. year. What are we? Two plus two goals for 2022? Yeah, two plus two. I don't know. We, we <laughs> might shake th- things we're up. We're going to think about that. Yeah. 20, 22 goals for 2022. <laughs> are we past that? <laughs> Maybe like two plus two equals four. Let's do four <laughs> goals. I don't know. We'll see about that. We'll, we'll give that a thought. Two, zero, two, two. So you do two goals and then like a... I'm not like I'm not gonna do this like a zero. Okay. I don't. We'll figure it out. Okay. I'm yeah, just babbling like, now. <laughs> we're just gonna work on that. Anyways, let's get back on track here. Um, you're getting ready for Maryland mm-hmm. as your second five star, so you're like doubling up on a goal for yeah, this year. Yeah. So that should count for something. That's because an extra credit. My other goal is um, not necessarily gonna get done. Like, so I got my five-star goal done, yep. but then my yoga teacher training, it's just been, I like, t- I just over, um, extended yourself. It, yeah, a little bit. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying to figure that out, see if I can like push the date again where I can complete it or just go for less. So I was going for my 500 hour, but I've basically done everything for the 200 hours, so maybe I can just be like, you know what, I'll get my 200 hour certification, and like call it good. Yeah, you know, I think that's so working on that, Um, failing forward fast. Exactly. So yeah, so so that's that's that. Um, That should probably take us into our next section. Books, 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 books. That was pretty 
pretty good pretty in unison pretty good in terms of books book books introduction so i have not read a new book this month but i did finish the one that i talked about last month which is the art of impossible a peak performance primer by stephen kotler and last month i had just started to get into it so i didn't um like i liked it but i didn't have a lot of takeaways yet but uh after getting through the whole thing, like I did think it was a very uh, useful book. And they kept talking about um, to get into flow. It was basically all about flow, like how to bring that into your life and into your performance. And they kept coming to this thing that they called like the challenge skills sweet spot. And we've talked about this before. Right. That's where, a like, dimension of flow. Yeah. Like, to be able to have a right balance of challenge and skills. Yeah. Like you want to be challenged enough, but within your skill set, like where you're just slightly outside of your comfort zone, but not so much that it's like not possible. So, you know, they just kind of reiterated that point, which I think is really important. Like I can see the translation into the equestrian industry and showing, um, and just, you know, like for me personally with Barry after Kentucky, like his first event back out, which was this summer, we took him out intermediate and it was like, not to sound cocky, but it was, like, almost too easy. Like, you kind of overthought it because it wasn't challenging yep. as much, you know? And yeah. then, like, doing the AECs at Advanced and then doing the four-star this weekend was more of a challenge. So it was, like, easier to get into flow. And, like, I really do think Kentucky, the five-star, like, that was the sweet spot for me because it was definitely outside of my comfort zone and I had no choice but to just like drop into that kind of flow state. And, um, so, yeah. And I think for you, like the five star level is just like that activating factor yeah. as well, because like you did have like a long partnership with Barry at the four star level. Mm-hmm. Like you were able to like take the time to figure everything out there. And like when push comes to shove, you know, you walked off of cross country at Kentucky saying like that, you know, this is a five star horse and like, yeah. there's no doubt about it. Like he changes the way that he jumps at, on the five star track and like just really sinks into it. And um, Barry gets into his own sort of flow. Yeah, he does. He's like, oh, finally, this is, <laughs> this is like my level. He's uh, so that's pretty cool. And then another thing um, that I found useful but like something I'd kind of tapped into on my own but it was nice to hear it talked about was just like how to use embodiment to get into flow you know we've talked about this a lot how I try to focus on one part of my body to like feel the horse when I'm riding so that I get out of my head which then allows me to get into a flow state um so it was just I found it to be a very practical and useful book. And that is a book that I actually listened to on um, the Libby app. Yeah. And, you know, again, one of those books that you might have to wait on hold because it's like a library system for. Um, but it was a it was a good read too. some of the audio books like. I turn off pretty quickly because I'm not, I'm just not into who's reading them. Yeah. 
Um, but no, that was a really good listen and definitely some really interesting takeaways from that book. So if you're like interested in the topic, but don't know if you can really like get into the flow of reading something that may be a little bit like technically heavier. Yeah. It's a good audiobook recommendation for sure. Cool. What have you been reading? So I definitely like went back into my Tyler, like you, you haven't been reading as much like actual physical books Mm -hmm. as you were before. And I'm like, I just need a page turner. So I thought back to like my favorite book of 2019 or one of my favorite books, which was, um, educated by Tara Westover. And I loved that book because like you just hear like the emotions in it are so raw and like, reading someone else's struggles I mean like is it's sick that you like enjoy like reading someone else's struggles but I think it's more of like the camaraderie and like knowing that they came out of it to to share their experiences and share what they've learned with you so I literally googled books like educated by Tara Westover um, and I had two books come up one was like based on a true story and one was an actual memoir Um, so the first spilled milk by K.L. Randis was a true story, uh, or sorry, based on a true story, and it was telling the tale of a girl um, in just this horrible family situation. Her siblings are getting physically abused in her household. Her She herself is um, verbally abused by her father and eventually sexually abused by him as well, um, and her mom was handicapped from a back injury so like money was tight for the family and it's just like such a like gripping story and the book is called spilled milk because the girl is at um her boyfriend's house like she's in she's in high school and and she gets this boyfriend who comes from like such a nice family Mm -hmm. and he's got a little brother that spills milk at the table yeah and it like triggers her to like jump up and like try to protect the boy because that's something like in her household if you spilled milk at the table like dad's gonna beat you or yell at you or like so so she like jumps up and everyone's like what is what's happening and it's really an interesting perspective because it shows how like you know at a young age you all you know is what you live yeah and so it took her going into the outside and like realizing that there are families unlike hers that to see that what she was going through was wrong and eventually she gets up the courage to take her dad through court the first trial is a mistrial so she takes him through again and like I won't I won't give it all the way but it's definitely a page turner and is there like a happyish ending there is a happyish ending she yeah, yeah she, she I mean me- don't give it away she meets but. a really nice guy that's like you basically like through her through anything and like actually the story kind of goes through her um finding therapy as well so her boyfriend's mom takes her to like the women's center in their town and she finds like a really good therapist there that like herself had gone through like um sexual abuse and so it it talks about like the role of you know therapy and how um 
any other, you know, most people in that situation should have gone on to be heroin addict, drug user or whatever, but because she was able to find help, like she was working a full-time job by the time she was 14, like on top of all her yeah. schoolwork, honor roll student, cheerleader, all this stuff. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's definitely like an emotional read, but like I read it in two days because it's just like, I want more of this yeah. book and information um and along the lines of that the other book i read was called fullness a memoir um that's by azura monia um and uh azura is a individual again who has a uh psychologically and verbally abusive father um and he was physically abusive to her mother her mother ends up like running away and like leaving her with the dad and like her dad basically had like lost a bunch of weight or something and like didn't want his children to be fat so he like had them weigh in all the time and like basically gives her like these severe body image disorders right. because you know she was so comforted by food and like she turns to food and then her dad's like no you're fat like you can't have food and um you just kind of go through her struggles with binge eating and she she finds therapy as well um and actually understands that what she has is a disorder and again like the the therapist in this is like hearing your experiences of you growing up like you should be addicted to hard drugs. Like the fact that you're a functioning member of society with a job, like stop being so hard on yourself for the eating. And you kind yeah. of go through this like swing of her making progress and then like binging again and, you know, just eating kale for a week and then she'll go on a binge. And it's definitely like, I really liked that read. Cause I, I've, struggled with some food issues myself just like body image food dieting like the dark the dark side of dieting I think sometimes when you pay too much attention to your nutrition like that can cause you to be so wound up that like you end up like you know overeating junk food whereas if you can just maintain a healthy balance in your life you're going to be better off like is it healthier to always eat healthy you know 90 percent of the time and then literally cannot stop eating sugary foods when you start to eat it or yeah. have ice cream once a week like it's it was just interesting because it's a perspective that I'm no stranger to um and so I liked hearing her experiences with that and like kind of end of book she's like well you know I'm not perfect but like this is what I've learned about myself and so mm -hmm. self-exploration and so I picked up a few more memoirs on thrift books yeah um I think I need a so, good memoir yeah like because you know I've been doing a lot of like personal development books which yeah. are great but sometimes when I'm going to bed like it's almost too much because that's when I read is right before I go yeah. to bed and it's like too much information to process versus like just hearing somebody's story yeah which like i a will bit. warn you like you pick up one of these memoirs and i'm like oh like usually i read like two pages and then i fall asleep and this yeah. i'm like okay now i've been reading for an hour like i read the one in like two days and the other one i was like staying up to read yeah um so you're welcome to borrow either of those and, yeah that uh, sounds good and uh i recommend those books 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 perfect love it okay that takes us into the main topic, and Tyler, I'm going to let you start this off because this was kind of your idea 
yeah, I'm baby. Not, so and I'm run taking with it. the you know, sports psychology perspective on this episode too. So um, I just want to talk a little bit about competitiveness. And now when I Googled like, what is competitiveness? The definition that comes up from Marion Webster is um, possession of a strong desire to be more successful than others. Um, When people compete, they strive to obtain a limited goal and compare favorably to others similarly striving. You know, in sports, it's contest specific. The goal is to win. And the amount of preparation, focus, determination, and energy that a person puts into striving to win is often referred to as their competitiveness. Um, And so I personally, like, you know, think it's really important to compete in life. Like, I think that having goals, like, by nature, we measure ourselves up against other people. Like, there's no getting around that. Um, but the con- the direction that I want to take this conversation today is to talk about um, tasks versus ego orientation in terms of competitiveness. Um, very similar to a fixed versus gro- growth mindset. In a task-oriented athlete, you compare yourself um, against you know, a previous version of you getting better. So this is like, okay, you know, I just started riding and last week I was just walking and this week I learned how to post the trot. And so I am on my way to mastering the skills of horseback riding versus, okay, well, this is my me and me and this other girl started at that time and she started posting the trot before I did. Mm-hmm. That would be more of an ego oriented um, mindset. Um, task oriented athletes also focus on, you know, mastery of a skill over comparisons of others. They want to see self-improvement, even if they're not winning by some outside societal standards um, and task oriented oriented athletes also gain confidence when improvement is a direct reflection of effort and like the struggle putting in the work mm-hmm. um on the other side like ego orient orientation is all about being better than others having the right equipment being lucky having some sort of innate ability of like this is you either got it or you don't Um, and ego oriented athletes like think that they're just like special, lucky, like, oh, I don't have to try very hard. And I think that's like a really interesting conversation to have when we talk about competitiveness is because, you know, people think that like, quote unquote, natural athletes like have it so easy and so good. And like, that's who you want to be in terms of being a competitive athlete. But really, it's the ones that like need to try and struggle and fail that will ultimately make it in the end. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you you have a lot of riders that were, you know, quote unquote, naturally talented athletes that you grew up riding with that maybe just gave up because okay well whatever that's that's easy for me yeah I would agree with that and um uh, it does really 
remind me of the fixed versus growth mindset thing. Yeah. Um, and also it's just like sometimes the people that are naturally gifted when it becomes hard and then they start quote unquote failing, like it's hard for them to take it. Right. And then that usually, well, some people rise to the occasion, but other people are like, well, I'm not good at it anymore. So I'm just going to stop doing it. Right. Um, because it comes very ego driven, like, oh, I thought I was good, but now I'm not as good. Yeah. And you know, yeah. And, and ego driven, you're almost scared of competition because Mm -hmm. you're afraid you might lose. And like for, for someone who's base bases, their competitiveness on their ego to lose not only like hurts their ego, it hurts their identity. And I think uh, athletic identity is something I've mentioned before on the podcast. Like if you, have your identity so wrapped up into who you are as an athlete, then we run into this, okay, what happens when I lose? What happens when I'm sick? What happens when I get injured? You end up feeling worthless and you end up feeling like there's no meaning in your life because your whole self is wrapped up into your performance and your ability to do something when like in reality, people are so much more than that. Yeah. Like, that would be like Emily saying, oh, you know, like, I just have to have an upper level horse to be a professional equestrian and then to have Barry, heaven forbid, do something to himself in the field and like be out of upper level competitions for the next two years, let's say. Like, okay, just because your horse is hurt, does that make you any less of a rider? No. You still have the same skill set. Yeah. You still have the same knowledge. You still have the same ability. Just because you're not out there doing it right then doesn't mean that you need to completely shatter your your world over it. Um, but people do. Like, people think, like, oh, you know, I am what I do. Mm-hmm. But if you can orient yourself more towards uh, being a task-oriented athlete – you don't have to worry so much about protecting your ego. You don't have to make excuses. You can accept criticism, take ownership, um, and just get straight to like working on improving yourself. And I don't know, this this topic is always really interesting for me because to reflect back on my quote unquote young rider career, which like was hardly even a young rider career. I had some misguided advice um, to try to aim for the actual young rider championships after I think I had done like four recognized events and like three at the novice level, one at the beginner novice level. And I had someone tell me I had to spend a lot of money on a horse Mm -hmm. and try to do the young rider competition. And that's all I thought about was I have to do this competition and my ego is wrapped up in it. Like all I thought was like to be successful, I must do this competition because that's the story that someone told me literally in college. Like one of my riding instructors was like well if you want to do this sport you have to do this and that just crushed me when things started not going well yeah whereas if I had just said 
I want to get really good at this sport and I don't care about any of that, then I think I would still be riding today and yeah. I'm riding competitively today. And that's why I've really enjoyed being able to approach a new sport um, and doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu because from day one, I was like, I just want to be the best that I can be. And I knew about task and ego orientation. I knew about fixed and growth mindset. But when you're 14, 15, 16, 17, yeah, even 21, like you don't have yeah. that. You don't have that available to you. Did yeah. you kind of have a similar experience? Um, Not per se. I mean, like I definitely have heard similar stories to yours and like I guess in ways I've felt it, but because I grew up riding in Wisconsin, like no offense to Wisconsin, <laughs> but sorry, like, Wisconsin. sorry, Wisconsin, but like there just wasn't a lot of knowledge out there. There wasn't a lot of people competing at the upper levels and eventing. So I never had somebody like being like, okay, we need to get you a young rider's horse and you have to make the team and yada, yada. Like I never had that. So I was just like doing my own thing. Right. Right. And so naturally um, you were more task oriented because there just wasn't an ego. Yeah. Like I didn't you. know. I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to like try to do these competitions and like see how it works out, you know? And then when I did my first working student position for Courtney Cooper in Pennsylvania, you know, I was surrounded by a completely different eventing culture, right? Yep. Like kind of more where it's for the younger riders, it's very geared towards young riders and that sort of thing. But I was already like, I think 19 at the time. So I'd kind of like passed that phase anyways. Yep. Um, and I was like, you know, part of me thought, oh shoot, I missed out. Like I'm not gonna be able to be the best because like I missed out on that that section of my like riding career you know right but then it's like you know what that there's not just one way to get to the top and right. I think I've really like this year making it to the five-star level and competing like I realized that there's just so many ways to get to where you want to go yeah and it's like there's not not everybody's going to follow the same map and route like you kind of have to create your own route and if you do stay task oriented and just work on improving yourself and being the best you can be like if you're committed to that like you're gonna get to where you want to go and trying to keep it about like your personal best um I think is really helpful. And I so. think I think it would be actually a quite an interesting statistic study to do um, to see how many riders that competed at Young Riders are still riding today and how many of our upper level riders that are at the top level of competition today actually competed at Young Riders. We should reach out to Equa Ratings and see if yes. we can figure that out. That would be really I'm cool, sure that we, there is a way to figure that out. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and like no judgment, but like I think just to show people that I don't think as many people 
do that route as people think. Well, and I you think know? I think that's me wanting to say that is me reaching out to a younger version of myself. If you know, if we have any listeners in that age range that are just like, oh, like I don't have the resources or availability to like make it to young riders, or I'm starting just a bit too late, or you know, even in your your early twenties, and you're like, I just like miss the bus on that, and I'm just starting now. Like, I thought. I literally thought my life was over. Like I was a melodramatic teenager. <laughs> you, like I was Tyler, like, no, never. <laughs> never. <laughs> I was like, oh God, like I'm never going to be able to do this. And then like, God, like I go into jujitsu and like my coach, um, Abby is like a world champion. Um, and she has like multiple world champion titles and she didn't start jujitsu until she was 32 years old. Yeah. And, like, there's just so many things that you just, oh, because I didn't start that, like, I'll never. Another example, horse-related, would be Kevin Keene. He did his first five-star, I don't remember what age. 50-something, I think. Yeah, like, late 50s, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, And, like, he didn't start, like, riding seriously until i think like late 20s early 30s or something yeah no and he's always been like you know super busy with his vet work so it's not like it's been like oh you know like i just dedicated my whole life to becoming a five-star rider like so there's just like so many ways that you can reach your goal so i think it's if you get the advice that there's only one way to do it I would look for advice elsewhere. I like it. Yeah, I should have. I should have you know? done that. But I just like always took everyone so literally. Yeah. Like my dad told me, he's like, "Oh, if you go to class and sit in the front row, you're gonna get straight A's." And because I believed him, like that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Like I went to class, I sat in front row, and like there was never a doubt in my mind that I wouldn't be getting straight A's yeah. because I'm like, no, that's how that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. And then when life, like, comes in, you kind of, like, get some friction. Um, But anyways, I want to talk, like, a little bit about some points of how to become more task-oriented if you feel like you might fit um, more into that ego category. Um, And the first is, like, becoming more secure in yourself and your own abilities and acknowledging that, like, you're on your own path, which I know is hard. Like, we just live in such a comparison society with social media and like it always it always looks like people are doing things better and easier than we are from the outside looking in just like even sometimes I look at my own social media and I'm like people don't know like half the stuff that I go through to like pull this off in my Mm -hmm. life like I can brag about accomplishments and stuff like that but like let me tell you about my stress level or like let me tell you about um things that aren't going well for me right now like I'm I'm not gonna post about that yeah um and so I think like just finding ways to appreciate where you are um and even if it's looking back on your own own accomplishments or like looking back at where you were a year ago being like oh wow like look at how much this has changed because I'm going to use my gross analogy again Um, you know when uh, (laughs) ingrown hair is growing underneath the surface like you don't even know until you put a little pressure on and you see it's like 
inches and inches long. So you're probably growing a lot more than you realize from the surface. I really feel like we need a different analogy. I just that love that analogy. And I I'm think, glad like, you do. When I die, I think it's it might turn like some other people off somewhere. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> um, the second uh, thing to becoming more task oriented is understanding that self worth is not determined by athletic success. Um, that's a huge topic of athletic identity. It's really hot in sports psychology right now, just because of like forced retirements, uh, getting cut from teams, like injuries, all of that. Um, you have you end up with a really whole ton of mental health issues on on behalf of athletes that have just tied up their whole sense of self into being an athlete um and and that's just simply not the case everyone is is worthwhile as a person outside of whatever you can do and whatever you can accomplish in sport um and then finally to cement a growth mindset and we've talked about the growth mindset a lot on the podcast before so i'm not going to really go into that um look into the book mindset by dr K carol dweck if you're interested in in hearing more about that but um really learning how to approach things with a growth mindset um and then Emily, we we both read a book a few years ago called Relentless, and I think both of us kind of walked away with a little bit of a bad taste in our mouth on yeah. the level of competitive. Like, on one side, it was, like, inspiring, and, like, on the other, it was like, ooh, I don't want to be the best if that's what it takes. Yeah, yeah. A little cringy, like, yeah, that's a lot. And, uh, yeah, one of the quotes is... Uh, F try. Trying is an open invitation to failure. Just another way of saying, if I fail, it's not my fault. I tried. And like, that's actually the opposite of everything we just like said yeah. right now. Right. So that is <laughs> it's a contradiction. It is a contradiction. No, like and like and I put that there for a reason. Um, and, and another quote from this book was relentless. Um is about never being satisfied, always driving to be the best and get and then getting even better. And I think we've talked about this interesting balance before of, you know, like how can you continue to strive and accept where you are at the same time? Um, but like if you want to be relentless and you want to win all the time, like can you even imagine going through your entire life never feeling satisfied? I think that would just be a horrible feeling, you right? know? I yeah. think that's, like, awful, and I think that, especially in equestrian sports, like, you're, there is no, zero, zero percent chance that you can be successful all the time, because yeah. horses too are many just factors. such a, like, yeah, you have another living creature involved in your success. I had a horse not able to jog up at the jogs, be and, and the vet came out later the day, she's like, I think he got bit by a spider. It was so weird. I was like, this horse was super sound after yeah. this country. We did really good aftercare. He got to go out for a little bit. Yeah. It was like oozing out of his chest and out of his leg. Like this pasta literally bit by a spider. I'm like, who can plan that? You can't. You can't plan for yeah, that. Yeah, there's way too many factors that you can't even imagine. So that's kind of crazy. And I think at the end it's just really an encouragement for you guys to try to be the best version of yourself and and realize that you are your biggest com 
competitor um and i know like when i go into jujitsu in the gym like one of my coaches always has has a saying like in here we're competitive um but we're not competitors and i think that if you can look at life as like you want to be competitive but like not everyone is your competitor um then you're going to make a lot more friends and like strive together which is actually competition the root of the word mm-hmm. it means to strive together it's not supposed to be against one of each other it's like how can we push ourselves to be better and yeah. i think that's really important to remember of um you know at the end of the day even if you're going up against someone in your local horse trials like you're competing against them technically but you're competing against yourself and they're competing against themselves and you're both working to get better so don't let the ribbons or the judgment of others cloud your ability to actually master a skill because I think mastery is where fulfillment comes from yeah I love that I think that's a perfect place to to move on to yeah that was great and you know I may be a little biased, but I think our eventing community kind of has the whole competitive but not competitor thing down. Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. This weekend, I just, there are so many instances where, like, you know, I just saw people helping each other and, like, asking each other about the course. Like, nobody is going to withhold information about, like, how a line rode or, no. you know, like, everybody's like, oh, this line rode short or this line rode exactly how it walked or, you know, and like, I just feel like everybody's, they know that the sport is hard and again, they're competing against themselves. So they're not, um, you know, trying to hold back something that could make you better as well. And I think, I think the flip side of that is like, if you win, like, don't you want to win? Of, like, everyone being their best. Yeah. So why don't you help everyone be their best? Yeah. And then just see how it plays out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't want to win because Emily's having a crappy day. You right. Know? Like, yeah. I want to win. Because, because we're all at our best. We're and, all at our best. And, and yeah. I performed to my mastery level. For sure. All right. So taking this topic to our Facebook community, we put a poll out on that page. Um, If you are not a part of the face or the whole equestrian community on Facebook, uh, maybe check that out. We'd love to have you on there. But anyway, the poll uh, asked, when going to a competition, do you focus most on being the best? Which means like where I score matters a lot to me. Or do you focus on being your best, which is I measure success based on my own personal performance, regardless of the scoreboard or my competitors' actions? So based on those two things, the votes are in and my best won hands down, which is... It's no surprise to me that our whole equestrian listeners are already in the task-oriented mindset. Yep. Because you guys have listened to us before and you know what's up and you know... That you're going to be a lot happier and healthier in sport if you're competing against yourself. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, way to go, guys. Good job. But Good job um, embracing that 
growth mindset. One last way to tie it together for our actionable advice this week. I'm going to go ahead and post, again, in the whole equestrian community, a task and ego orientation in sport questionnaire. So if you're not really sure where you sit, you can kind of figure out um, what your strengths and weaknesses might be in terms of task versus ego orientation. So check that out. Um, and if you have any questions, reach out to me as well. I'm happy to do um, a little exclusive sports psychology just on competitiveness session with you if you like this topic. So what's next, Tyler? Um, really exciting news. We're going to kind of mix up and rebrand, relaunch the whole Equestrian podcast. It's still going to be Tyler and Emily's energy. It's still going to be, um, you know, mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. But we're going to make, you know, our bits a little bit smaller so we can fit a little bit of each of our pillars into each episode. We kind of touch on, um, you know, nutrition and fitness and mindset all in different episodes and like all aspects of equestrian wellness. But I want to actually have like, you know, our fitness exercise of the month, our nutrition tip of the month, whether it's going to be a way to make your life easier in terms of nutrition or actually giving you a recipe that we talk about, Um, and, you know, just kind of branch off from there. We're still going to do a main topic. It's just going to be a little bit more condensed. And then we're playing around with ideas for more, uh, segments. So if you want to head again to the whole equestrian community, we're going to have a vote on some extra segments. I'm toying with the idea of putting training tips with Emily, um, of the month or grooming tips from Tyler for the month. Um, so if those are things that you guys would be interested in hearing, please interact with us. If there's anything that you're interested that we haven't talked about before, reach out to us because the show is for you. Um, and we just want to make it a little bit more streamlined and actionable for you guys. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very I think excited. this is going to be a great new format. And uh, so stay tuned on that. Um, what do you think, Emily? Is that... I think we've done the topic justice and I think we're wrapping up here. So we hope you got some insight into your competitive tendencies and how to embrace and improve them. As always, we love your feedback. We talked a lot about opportunities on the whole equestrian community. Please jump over to that page if you're not a part of it. It is the best way for us to connect with you. Um, Give us reviews, scripts, subscribe why can't i say that word (laughs) it's a hard word um check us out rate us let us know what you're thinking i've had a couple listeners recently reach out about um some personal problems that they're having in the horse world that kind of apply to our pillars and and i've been able to talk them through that so that's been super fun um and i know emily's been doing the same so yeah and i love meeting you guys at events too so that's fun. If you ever see one of us, like, please feel free to say hi and and chat. I so, love it. I yeah. Love it. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride.